Uh, we haven't sung before a baptismal, before baptism. Uh, we always sing afterwards. So we'll still sing afterwards, but we're going to sing before this time. Uh, really, if you don't know this hymn, this is a wonderful, wonderful hymn. My faith has found a resting place. Okay. <clears throat> all through it. A large majority of the things that you will hear in our day that are called gospel music don't have any gospel in them. That one does. Praise the Lord. Beautiful. Maybe we can tape that into the Trinity. It's got a blank page, I think. As always, I want to say a few things about baptism. There are two ordinances that Christ has given his churches, just two. 
baptism and the Lord's Supper. They're both for believers only. They're not for everybody, not for anybody, as we will read. But baptism, it's, it is something for people who have repented and believed. And the Lord's Supper is something that continues normally. You should only be baptized once. Now, we live in, in a culture with a cultural religion that is constantly pleading with people to uh, make a commitment to Jesus and then to renew their commitment all the time because many don't realize that the word believe means commitment. If you have to tell people all the time you need to get yourself committed to God, what you're telling them is to believe him. You're living like a lost one. But this is for people who have repented of their sins and believe. It's the same thing for the Lord's Supper, except that that's something that is repeated as often as we do it. A Baptist among themselves argue over this, no surprise, uh -uh. and even with other denominations, the same, uh, the same argument exists. Can someone who hasn't been baptized take the Lord's Supper? If they haven't been baptized, do they need to wait to be baptized? Those are all things that denominations and theologians wrestle through. But generally speaking, you don't find people taking the Lord's Supper that haven't repented of their sins and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, that is we, what we hold to. Now, we hold to it loosely. We know there could be circumstances beyond our control. So having said that, baptism is an ordinance of the New Testament. It means it's something, children, that's been commanded. It's not an option. It's not something you can do if you just feel like having it done. I've had people say, will you baptize me? I say, why? When I hear their reasons, I generally have had to refuse because they haven't said, well, the Lord Jesus Christ commands me to do this upon my repentance and faith. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Baptism is important because it is an ordinance. Jesus and his disciples baptized. It was ordained by Jesus to be unto the party baptized. We will have a baptizand today. Mm -hmm. And that person is the person baptized here, the party baptized. And it's a sign of his fellowship with him, with, with Christ. In his death and resurrection, of his being engrafted into him. Now, those words are beautiful. Engrafted, children, is a fancy word. But what it comes down to mean is that we are brought into union by the power of the Holy Spirit with the living Christ. Baptism means union with the living Christ. He has taken up, uh, he has taken up a citizenship, the throne of our hearts, and he's the king reigning there. And we should be fellowshipping with him both fellowship with him in his death and resurrection of his being engrafted into him of remission of sins, which means forgiveness of sins. It should mean to the person who goes under the water, not that they simply got wet, but that Jesus Christ 
has paid for the sins of the person being baptized. So, <clears throat> it also means, now this is one that in our day, many churches seem to leave out. <clears throat> what should this ordinance mean to the person being baptized? Giving up unto God through Jesus Christ to live and walk in newness of life. Now, why is that? Because when Hannah goes under the water in a few moments, she'll preach the best sermon she's ever preached. She will go under the water in, in a symbolic death with the Lord Jesus Christ who died and rose again, and she will rise again. And what that will say is, I'm dead to what I was. I am alive to the Lord Jesus Christ. To walk in newness of life, as Romans 6 says. In other words, baptism isn't just about getting wet and then being applauded. It is about God doing work in a human soul, bringing that soul to repent of sin and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then baptize Baptism really means something for them. It means all that we just read, and it also concludes then with living and walking with Jesus. Well, secondly, and the three and four are generally pretty brief, those who do actually profess repentance toward God, faith in and obedience to our Lord Jesus are the only proper subjects of this ordinance. As we read the scriptures, we see that only those that have repented and believed are those who undergo baptism. That has given us a doctrine that does set us apart from many uh, who profess to be Christians and who are Christians. This is where Baptists are different from many of our other Reformed brethren, but it is, uh, if any of you have the confession, and the confession that's got the appendix on baptism in it, would do you good to read it. And you would know why our forefathers struggled and fought and very often were deeply persecuted for holding this doctrine. Lastly, <clears throat> Uh, I'm sorry, thirdly, the outward element to be used in this ordinance is water, wherein the party is to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Immersion and dipping of the person in water is necessary to the due administration of this ordinance. The, the word baptizo, which is brought over into English as baptize, means to dip. It means to immerse. It, it means to plunge under. And uh, the reason is because it's connected to Romans chapter 6 of our dying and rising again with the Lord Jesus. So uh, this is what uh, Baptists of many stripes throughout the centuries have held, uh, and it is the practice that we do 
for all those who repent of their sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not count those who do not agree with us on this not to be Christians. We don't agree with them. It's a family argument. So that being the case, I, I always ask um, those that I'm baptizing for their testimony. Uh, we don't require it from the baptistry, but I'm thankful that Hannah's going to share with you her testimony. But uh, I do always ask, why do you want to be baptized? Anybody that comes into my office, those of you that are wanting to be baptized someday, listen carefully. I always ask this. <clears throat> why do you want to be baptized? Someone here some years ago that looked at me and smiled and said, because it will make me a better person. Uh, that's not the reason to be baptized. You are only a better person when Jesus births you by his spirit. When Jesus gives you a new heart, you'll start living like a different person. But baptism doesn't do that. It's a symbol. And, uh, and I said, so why do you want to do this? And she said, <clears throat> because God commanded it. I said, that's good. And then she said something that nobody else has ever said, so I don't mind spilling it. All right? She said, and I want everybody to see what God has done mm -hmm. in me. Amen. That's, that's one of the reasons we do baptism. We're saying, all of us are saying and seeing God's work, not man's work. So, would you come and join us, please, and share your testimony with us? I just want to share a little bit of my testimony. Um, ever since I was a little girl, I had wanted to be saved. It was never something I thought I needed because I saw bad in myself, but because I knew I had to escape hell and because I was told I needed it. Um, I had several emotional instances in my childhood where I thought I was saved, but then they always passed and I went on with life not really caring. Um, around five years ago or so, I really started to see my personal need for salvation, and through those years, I struggled with what I thought was assurance. On the Wednesday of July 19th, Mr. Nate Maxson preached on practical atheism. The next morning, Mom sat down with me and pointed out some of the areas that she thought she saw unbelief and maybe not true seeking of God. Our conversation made me angry because I... Um, I realized how much I really did hate God, and by my actions, how much I really did wish he was dead. Um, it was the first time I really saw myself for who I was, and it scared me because I realized that God could have and should have taken me out a long time ago. Um, a few hours later, we were out running errands, and I slipped a CD in, and the first song that came on was, My Faith Has Found a Resting Place. Um, even though we just sang it, I want to read the words again. Um, my faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust the ever-living one, his wounds for me shall plead. Enough for me that Jesus save. This ends my fear and doubt. 
A sinful soul, I come to him. He'll never cast me out. My heart is leaning on the word, the written word of God. Salvation by my Savior's name. Salvation through his blood. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. I realized how easy it was and how hard I was making it. It wasn't my lack of assurance that was hindering me. It was my unbelief. Not that Christ could save me, but that he would save me. That was when I knew Christ really did love me, and he was able and willing to save me. My faith had found a resting place. Amen.
into the water and go through the dark canal. Lord, I thank you for thy blessings upon us. Bless thy dear children for the rest of the day. May this be a most memorable and blessed Lord's Day. In the name of Christ, amen. 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 amen.